Welcome into Smooth Operators with your hosts, Noah, Griggs, and Ben, going through the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at the Griggs B. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome into Smooth Operators. I am your host, Griggs Blankenberg. Alongside me, as always, is Mr. Ben McClurkin. Ben, how you doing today, bro? Oops, sorry. Uh, there you go. Now your mic's on. Thank you very much. Doing great. I'm happy to be here. Missing Noah, of course, but yes, we will miss right you, Noah. It. it is just a sad day without Noah, but he doesn't have to deal with what we're going to talk about with Ferrari later on. So that'll be good. But let's just go ahead and get right into the action. First off, the Dutch Grand Prix happened last weekend, Ben. Yes, it did. It was Zan. How do you say it? Zander Vort. Zandvoort. Zandvoort. Yes, the Dutch Grand Prix, the home race of Formula One's reigning driver champion Max Verstappen and Ben if you want to talk us through that a little bit that was a good weekend for the Orange Army as he likes to call it yes it was uh and definitely a nightmare weekend for Mercedes and Ferrari as well uh Max got all that he could out of that car and he did everything that he needed to to secure a win made it look easy he really did and there's a little bit of that stretch there for a little bit of that part where people thought that maybe Lewis could have gotten back into it a little bit but for the most part, it seemed no matter what was going to happen, it was just going to be Red Bull's weekend. Yeah, that late, late middle part of the race, I did think Mercedes had a shot at the win. They, uh, Lewis was understandably frustrated, and we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the final results, just going through it real quick from that race, the podium was Max Verstappen in P1, George Russell P2, and Mr. Charles Leclerc was in P3. So... Kind of a stacked. It's what we normally expect. Those three constructors at least have one person on the podium for the most part, unless one of the other ones has it for uh, one, two, or other two more two drivers in the podium. But that was the way to go. Now Max Verstappen, 109 points ahead of Mr. Charles Leclerc in the World Drivers Championship, and about what eight races to go? I think so. Seven? Yes, eight races. So. The question is now, is there, barring a Red Bull catastrophe, is there any chance Leclerc can get back into this one this late into the season? No. <laughs> no. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. He's going to say no. So there's actually six races left. So mathematically speaking, uh, each race is worth 30 points for a win. Uh, qualifying is one point. Fastest lap is one point. So mathematically speaking, Charles would have to win every single race, and Max would have to finish last to in maybe tenth and ninth in order to win that championship for Ferrari. It's all but over for Mr. Charles Leclerc after what started out to be such a good season. His his form and consistency and Ferrari's insanely fast car coming out in Australia at the first race, and now they have completely snatched a defeat from the jaws of victory, if you will. Yeah, but the thing is, also, it's twenty-five points for a win in Formula One, and then the That's right. and then the one fastest lap gets you one extra point. So you said six races are left. Six races. That's so right. Twenty-five times six. That would be a hundred and fifty. So. I mean, Charles could always finish that, but then he's got to hope for Max to not get anywhere near that podium position where he can't 
received those top amount of points for that. So, right. yeah, pretty much all but locked up on that front, barring a collapse of something that we've I've never I've been watching Formula One long, but probably something the sport has never seen in the collapse term of that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking same thing, going over to the driver standings or the constructors championship, Red Bull are now one hundred and thirty five points ahead of Ferrari. But now the question is. Mercedes, they're now 30 points back of Ferrari. That's very close. I mean, you could have that happen in the next two races. That gap could be completely erased. And then knowing that Ferrari's strategy and reliability issues have been a problem this year, Mercedes hasn't really had the reliability problem as much this year. They didn't really create the greatest car in the earlier parts of the year. But the strategy is always – the Red Bull and Mercedes have always had that strategy, I think, kind of on lock. Mercedes really has never had the problem with the engine reliability factor. So, or this season at least. No, not this season. So, Ferrari's got to be start pulling out some results so that they do not have to worry about them taking uh Ferrari taking that or Mercedes taking that number 2 spot in the pits next year. Yes, that is for sure. Um and one thing that I did notice over the weekend was how quick Mercedes actually looked. I, I was very surprised at their form the past four races or so. It's it's significantly improved. And, I mean, even in qualifying, they had a shot at stealing pole and second position. Total Wolf said last week that they could have gotten pole had Sergio Perez not spun and Lewis and George had to abort their flying laps. So if you, if you think about just the, the amount of investment that Mercedes has put into their car this year, and the time that they took to fix what I thought was a flawed design, having no side pods, which is completely untraditional, and haven't seen that in, I mean, literal decades. Um, just what they did to improve that car has been astronomical, really. Like, they were running in the top 10, but they were never contending for wins by even, even as late as. Uh, the Miami Grand Prix, and then after that, they really, they really did turn it around. They really have. I mean, Lewis has not been in the form he wanted to all season before the last couple races, but now he, before this race, he was on the podium streak of like five in a row. Before, I believe that's before Belgium as well. He didn't get the podium in Belgium. That's but right. He was on five in a row after not having one in the, the rest of the season, all the way in, in, until um, Bahrain. So he went a while without a podium. He's still trying to get that strat that F1 will always want to tweet out about Lewis Hamilton extends his win record to blank amount of years to the win. So there's still time for them to get that one up. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, even though Mercedes does have a good car, will it be able to – they have to take advantage of those Red Bull and Ferrari mistakes like they have done already for most of this season. That is so true. But now the question is turning to Lewis. He kind of had to break down the radio a little bit. So – are relations still kind of good with him and the team in that aspect? And if not, like, what does he will? He's a, to the driver of that standard where if he needs wants something to change, he's gonna be able to have the power to be able to say, "I need this change." So, is that just a one-off thing, or what can happen with them from now? The way he blew up seemed to be an underlining frustration with how things were going for them that weekend. Um, I think I think he. I don't know. It's just, it's a it's a hard thing to describe because relations within Mercedes and Lewis have been very long standing. I mean, for the past 
10, 15 years he's been there with them. And I can't, I can't really begin to tell you why he got so upset other than he had a patch of bad luck and didn't handle it particularly well. And then his refusal to apologize will be something that I also am tracking with the relations between the two teams. Yeah, Lewis back-to-back weekends, not really in great form. You had, um, uh, it was Belgium where he gets tangled up with Fernando Alonso. Definitely looked like his fault on the replay and stuff. Goes up, gets card, takes so much damage, he has to retire very soon after. And then this one where breaks down with the for uh, Mercedes pit wall after the tire decision where most of the other drivers in the lead were going to softs. They kept Hamilton out on, I believe, mediums. Is that correct? He was on old medium tires, yes. Yeah, so the decision not to get there where they had the chance, per se. And they pitted his teammate. They pitted they Russell. They did pit George Russell, and then he ends up getting P2. So I don't – well, Lewis is – let me look at the driver's standings real quick for the um, how the standings are looking right now, the driver's standings. Lewis probably not going to get that seventh ti- – or the eighth title to pass Michael Schumacher this year. Probably not. Yeah, definitely not. He is a hundred at one hundred fifty-eight points. He is now currently battling with Carlos Sainz of Ferrari for fifth place in the uh, driver standings. He's clear of Lando Norris, who's in seven. So, if anything, he could pass Sainz. He's thirty points behind his teammate. So, kind of in that in a place he's not really been in a long time in his career for where he's not in that one-two spot, barring twenty sixteen, where Nico Rosberg beat him in equal machinery. So. Is there any chance? Like he's not. You think he's gonna? He's not gonna retire. He's gonna keep going. You think, right? Lewis, yeah, he's still got more to prove. He always does. Yeah, he always does. He's got that edge to him that few have had in the past. But anything else we can try to think of talking about this Dutch Grand Prix? I mean, it was, and it, even qualifying was crazy. Where Max Verstappen's coming down that last that banked curve, to try to get that qualifying. He beats ends up being, I believe, it was, was it Charles or Carlos? Uh, On, Qualifying and quali, uh, they had Mercedes had. Oh yeah, it was Mercedes. Yeah. So he gets past that and then gets P1, where everyone's going crazy in the grandstands. That was a cool image this week, and where all the Dutch fans were just there supporting Max. So mm-hmm. that was kind of cool that he got to win that one. Even man, we could talk about it a little bit the Yuki Sonoda incident where everyone's just ooh the conspiracy, the conspiracy my, theories. Oh my, my thought about that is. Why would Red Bull throw away their gigantic lead in the constructor standings for Max Verstappen to win one race where he's already above everyone else in the race by 100 points? And the fact that it was Alpha Tari and Yuki Sonoda makes it a little bit more interesting. I mean, the fact of the matter was he was still going out there and going crazy on the track, Verstappen was. Maybe not his tires weren't performing too, too well. but It didn't benefit Red Bull at all for him to have such a weird thing i think it really just comes down to alpha towery handling what was actually going on very poorly yeah and it was too high too high risk a low reward for red bull if you're thinking about it in that terms of a monster epic they can't not threaten to get kicked out of the championship this year just for that little of a circumstance but not only that but verstappen had built up a pretty good gap there he would have been a pit stop ahead in the next few laps so i don't think it would have helped them out it's kind of it's kind of sad that people would say that just because of the team they that, that they don't particularly like is doing well. 
it's not not exactly yeah. a fair thing to say. Yeah, that is going to do it for us on this first segment of Smooth Operators. Don't go anywhere, though. When we come back, we're going to get more into the news on what's going on in the Formula One world. You're listening here with Griggs and Ben on Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into Smooth Operators, everyone. You're hanging out with Griggs Blankenberg and Ben McClurkin here on this beautiful Friday. Football Friday, Ben. One more day and we're back in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Oh, let me get to you again. I forgot about that mic thing. We are wrapping up the hate week here in Auburn, and we are very excited for the football game tomorrow. Um, But we're not here to talk about football today. Unfortunately, we are here to talk about Formula One. I say unfortunately. I'm very happy to be here. How are you, Griggs? I'm doing great. I'm still happy for football, but Formula One still going strong right now. We got qualifying tomorrow. We have a race on Sunday. Yes, sir. And then the race on 8 a.m. on Sunday. But let's get into it. Let's talk about before a little bit more from the Dutch Grand Prix. Let's go through winners and losers. Ben, what are your, some of the winners that you think from this week? Okay, so my big winner is Max Verstappen. Um, you know, we thought he was going to walk away with it at the start, but he, he really did do a lot against even his own teammate his his gap to Sergio Perez was gigantic and his qualifying didn't go ideally but he obviously pulled it together and didn't even sweat it literally wasn't sweating after the race which is uncommon he he's really just the driver of the season this year Mm mm-hmm yeah, I'm going to go winner on this one as well. Um, let me look at some of the um <clears throat> excuse me, the standings from this past weekend. Um I'm going to say I think um I think George Russell's a winner from this weekend, able to be, do a really great qualifying session. This is his for his second time finishing P2, but let's be honest, that one in Spa last year, do we really count that one? I mean, he didn't really race but one lap so i think williams i think williams is going to count that no matter what yeah williams is going to count it because well it's it's williams Williams. they take what they can get nowadays which is so sad but very sad all right let's talk about another big winner was alpine they were out in q2 but that car looked pretty good on race day they have Mm -hmm. good race pace um especially especially uh esteban alcon um, he did really well for his qualifying position, and Alonzo's strategy calls were bold, but they worked out. Um, and another thing we can talk about today is the biggest losers of the weekend. I'm going to go – you want me to go first for losers? Yeah, you got it. It is hard, but I'm going to go McLaren. Not off of Lando Norris, but this weekend, just so much attention was drawn to that first, that Oscar Piastri and Daniel Ricciardo drama. A lot of it took away from the performance. I mean, Lando finished P7, good for him. But I looked at some of the pit stop strategies before the show. They had to pit Ricciardo five times on Sunday. Yeah. When's the last time we were hearing about a competitive race car, racing driver being in that? um, People still regard Daniel Ricciardo pretty highly, but Hitting five times in a race, I granted it wasn't his call, it was McLaren's, but wh- they, what are you they, doing? I mean, McLaren doesn't want to talk about it. It's his form was just terrible. Um, he was out in Q one, 
like in a competitive car too with a Mercedes engine out in Q1. Um, Lando Norris did the best he could, but they really just lost out on the strategy and and qualifying as well and weren't able to truly recover it. Now coming back up on a year from Monza, the McLaren crown jewel from last year. The one too. The one that they will probably hold on to for a few years to come. But going back there, do you think any of this drama will still continue to happen? I mean, they're still pushing the, hey, this was our 1-2 last year, even though we're getting rid of the driver who gave us our first win in seven-plus years. How is that going to work for this weekend in terms of a team? It'll definitely be bittersweet for Daniel Ricciardo and the McLaren team. Well, maybe not as bittersweet for McLaren. I think they're happy to see him go, which is kind of sad considering that he did give them a win, but his form this year has just been so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think it'll be hard for Ricardo, and there's going to be a lot of interesting questions in the press conferences to come. Mm-hmm. Any more, you think, losers from this weekend? Yeah, the Ferrari customers. Just Alfa Romeo and Haas are just really, really struggling for five weeks in a row. Alfa Romeo hasn't scored, and Haas hasn't scored for four in a row. And Haas was running in the best of the rest midseason, and they are just they are just really struggling. It's, it's very hard to watch. For Haas, they just showed so much promise at the beginning, also because Magnussen comes in off the bench when the Nikita Mazbin gets cut. He comes off the bench and gets P5 immediately in his first race back. Doesn't really go through much of preseason testing too much at all. Just hops in and just goes. So credit to him for that. And then they make gets points this year in two races. And then Magnuson's still getting points as well. But the thing is, like everything after they got that first P5, people were thinking, oh, this may be Haas's years to compete in the midfield maybe a little bit more since the last couple of years they didn't score any points. But now they've started to come back to the older form where I mean, granted, they're probably doing better in qualifying than they did last year. I mean, hard to replicate what they did last year. But, <laughs> yeah, to think about that, just – I they had a lot of promise for me coming in. They seemed like a fast car, especially in some of those qualifying sessions. And then Canada, they seemed pretty fast. They had the best qualifying ever. And then Mick and Mick gets in out in a little early – or Magnuson gets out early, and then Mick has to drop down some. So Yeah, and just four races in a row without points for a team that spent all of their development time last season and building this car for this season and quit developing their 2021 car, which was last year. Like, after the first race, they stopped making new parts for it, and they were okay to finish last in order to have a car that they thought could contend for even race wins, and now four races in a row without points. It's it's abysmal for... Haas, it's very sad to see. Yeah, in the driver in the constructors championship right now, it's Alfa Romeo in sixth with fifty one points, and then Haas is behind them in seventh. But Haas has to be a little bit more careful going into these last six races. They really need to score points to keep seventh in the constructors. Alphatari is behind them with twenty nine, so five points back, and then Aston Martin is nine points back as well at twenty five. So Haas is gonna have to be really careful if one of those weekends, one of those drivers catch fire for the other teams, they could be looking farther down the pit lane next year. Mm. It's a long walk to the end of the pit lane. It is. Haas is used to it a little bit, though, unfortunately. But try to think who else you think of as a loser this weekend. Um, well, I mean, we've already talked about Lewis, Carlos, McLaren. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Sebastian Vettel. 
Man, he had a rough weekend as well. You think Alonzo's going to be able to do better in Aston Martin next year than he is right now doing in Aston Martin? Yes. I think so, too. I think – well, Lance Stroll's going to be his teammate, of course. Lance Stroll's driver number one. Yeah. Everyone needs – yeah, people that should know. They just keep bringing – Lawrence Stroll just keeps bringing in world championship winning drivers. Hopefully some something will happen with the sun where it just starts to click more and more, but it doesn't seem to be the case, Especially at least with Vettel. Maybe Alonzo can change that. But I remember back to the just – Alonzo saying he's going to retire after 2019. Is that 2019? I legitimately cannot remember because you know he didn't mean it when he said it. And he's still here. Um, Alonzo still wants to be a hybrid of like a team principal and a driver at the same time. And you know what? Good for him. If he says he's going to retire and doesn't, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's get into a little bit more now with another team near the bottom. Let's talk about it for a minute. The Williams question mark. Williams has still not set their driver lineup for next year. They have Alex Albon under contract, but Nicholas Latifi is right now sitting still at zero points for this season. And I don't know how much longer the sponsorship money he gets from his uh, family is going to help him too much longer. Yeah, he is. I would say easily the worst driver on the grid and albeit he's in the worst car but he is just the worst driver he was lapped twice that race after being allowed to unlap himself under safety car he was lapped again within three laps by the entire field but the thing you get to think about too is Albon looked like he was going crazy in the car in uh Belgium he was and you got into Q3. He was, even granted, he was the last driver to get into Q3, but he scored the four points Williams has this year. Yep. And Latifi was nowhere near anyone. It just seemed that car now has so much more straight line speed than people would think there was a have now. Because in the straight, that car looked crazy fast. I mean, Albon was able to get into P3, or no, uh, Q3 in Belgium, and then ended up getting, I think, P9 or 8 after all the cars who had the engine penalties moved down the grid but right that car is capable of at least getting out of the q1 and latifi's not yet proved that but in one or two races this year he is just the worst guys seriously it's it's bad maybe we'll talk about driver pairings in the next segment a little bit but for williams i mean i can't we can't imagine they're giving him another contract right no way i would definitely be in favor of a nick DeVries. Mercedes Academy driver. Can we see Logan Sargent, maybe, potentially? That's possible. Uh, he's looked really good in Formula 2 this year. I would love to see an American driver in Formula 1. And the thing about it, the American owners now of Williams, based in New York, they might want to see that, too. Just get more of that, even though Haas has already been labeled as America's team. Granted, they're the only team with an American owner. Williams founded in England, but have an American... How would you describe that now? Well... They definitely have the potential to hire um, American drivers. I think they should hire somebody who's the best for the job, not particularly of any nationality, but I would certainly love to see an American guy driving in Formula One, which is considered the highest degree of motorsports. Mm-hmm, indeed. Um, what else do we think we can talk about from this segment? I mean... I mean, Latifi's, what's next for him now? He's not going to get a seat next year. Is the next step reserve driver for anyone, or how does that really work now for them? 
So what it's going to look like is possibly a reserve driver promotion for um, Logan Sargent. Um, or it could also be a full-on replacement keeping the original lineup of Albon and uh, – is it Logan Sargent? Um, let's see. Who's their reserve guy? don't really know. I'm going to find out this information because I need to know. Um, While he's looking that up, if anyone, if you miss any part of today's show, we're going to have the podcast version up in a little bit. And it, it looks like Ben's got it. Ben? Yes, it's Jack Aitken. Okay. Uh, good driver. Very good driver. Um, he has one race in Formula One at the 2020 Secure Grand Prix when George Russell was racing in the Mercedes seat. I think he could be a viable option for them over Latifi, or they could keep Aiken as a reserve driver, hire somebody that's already in the market like Ricardo. Yeah, but that, folks, is going to do it for a little bit of talk there with news and recapping a little bit more of the Dutch Grand Prix. However, when we come back, we're going to talk more about the driver market. It's still heating up. Nothing's changed in the last week. That, will that change this week? You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Smooth Operators. I am Ben here with my co-host, Griggs, and it is a nice rainy Friday afternoon. Looking forward to some Formula One action this weekend. Griggs, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Just hanging out here with you talking Formula One, our second ever show. First one was pretty good. I'm liking this one, too, but we miss our main man, Noah. Yeah, Noah's, Noah's been a very sad absence. I need I need some Ferrari in my life right now. But let's talk quickly about the next year's driver line. We talked about some last week, but the same five teams are still without drivers. You have Haas, Williams, Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tari, and Alpine are still without drivers. There's been some rufflings to what's been going on recently this past week after the Piastri shake-up, but nothing yet. But anything you want to talk about in that regard, Ben? Yeah, there's a lot of A names um, with the teams, and it's very easy to get them all confused. But one thing that we do know is that this year there has been quite a large turnover over the summer break and teams are scrambling to replace drivers that have retired. There are transfers. Um, and there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, I'm not really sure what's going to happen during the off season. That's a few months away still, but we'll, we'll keep you all updated on that as it goes. Uh, you know what? Speaking of Ferrari, what do you think of the new livery that they're running for Monza? Uh, the back with the yellow and the driver yellow suits. I think if they were going to go all yellow, they should have just gone the whole car yellow. Absolutely not. <laughs> that would have been very, the, like, the kind of thing, like the Charles Leclerc and the banana costume kind of meme type of thing. That would have been interesting, that regard. Oh, yeah. And then, but for Al, for Alpine, you look at the options they have. The one that keeps popping into my head, who's still under contract but has a reasonable buyout, is Pierre Gasly. Of Alvatari. French driver, French team. French other other French partner in Espan Alcon. The stars are aligning. Unfortunately for them, the Paul Ricard's not coming back next year. No, so you can't have a French driver and a French team at a French track. That's unfortunate. But what what I do see there is a possibility for Pierre Gasly to take more of a leadership role mm. or even an equal role. Because right now he is the number one driver in terms of experience at Alpha Tauri being next to Yuki Sonoda in his second season. 
But what would be exciting for Pierre is that he's not confined to a number two team. That is true. I mean, the fact that he's just been in the Red Bull thing almost his whole career in Formula One might be a little change, might do him well, since he's still one of the, I believe, 11 race active race winners we have now in Formula One since he won a few years back in 2020. But another name that keeps popping up to me for not Alp, for not, I think Alpine as well, but is he ready to take this step yet? I don't know, is Mick Schumacher out of the Ferrari Driver Academy after this year. So that puts his relationship with Haas up in the air now, barring that Haas still uses the Ferrari engine. But I'm interested to see where Mick could go. Could Mick go to Alphatari? Like, if you, if people are, are listening or, in, or remember t- hearing about it in Drive to Survive, he was picking between Alphatari. No, not Alphatari, excuse me, Alfa Romeo and Haas. Ended up leaning with Haas. So Mick Schumacher is going to be still a hot name to get based off the last name. But is he... Do you think there's a shot he goes to Alpine with his last name and the, what he brings to the team? I think there is. There's limitless potential. There are so many ways the deck could get shuffled in terms of drivers. And, you know, you got to – the only way we'll know for sure is when the cards all are on the table. Um, but I think that his abilities have yet to truly be shown. I think that's true. I mean, we've seen flashes of it this year when he's been battling for those point spots – those races he's gotten the points, and then Miami is the one I keep thinking of where he crashed, where he con- makes contact with Sebastian Vettel when they were both on track to earn points. So that was really sad. But I think he's got shot. But back to Alvatari for a second. They have a chance to be a team that if Pierre Gasly gets taken up by Alpine, that means they'd be without two drivers for next year. That's right. Going into Haas 2019 territory. So that would be a very if, scary position. If you're to be in. Red Bull, what? What do you just start thinking? I mean, you fire um, Vips is gone now from the Driver Academy, so you have to start. Being they have thinking, Liam Lawson. They have Liam Lawson, but you have to start thinking: of, Do they want to go with the two rookie strategy, or could you see one of these drivers that doesn't have a team currently for next year going to Alphatari, just taking that little bit, maybe to hit their confidence going to the Red Bull Two team? Yeah, I think so. I think we could see a lot of young drivers finding their stride next season. Um, but there's also a lot of good drivers that are still in the market with experience. And so it's it's really hard to predict what's going to go down. I think I'm I'm prepared to be completely surprised by what happens over the offseason. The fact that matters, I think you think most of the teams would want to have these kind of driver things settled before the end of the year. But as we know, we don't got too much time left. Abu Dhabi is in mid early mid-November. So it's six weeks away. Six weeks away. Or six races six away. Ra- yeah, just don't have too too much time. I think some of those top teams, especially like the Alpines of the world, the Alpine might need to be making the decision here sooner rather than later so they can lock in whoever they get, whether it be Pierre Gasly or someone else, so that Alvatari, whoever loses the driver potentially, or if they bring in one in, can have time to replace that. But, yeah, Formula 1 is crazy, folks, especially the driver market. There's more that's going off going around on off the track than it is on the track sometimes but that's just the way it runs sometimes um what else do we have to talk about in that regard regards to drivers drivers anything trying to think there will certainly be more to come um i think we are able to move on to our next segment though 
You want to do it? You want to go ahead and start it? Yeah, let's start the preview of the Temple of Speed. I'm very excited about Monza this weekend. It is Monza. We're going to have to cut the very last part of it short. We have more people coming in after this, so great that we started this now. We have Monza. As Ben said, the Temple of Speed. We already talked about it earlier on the show, but last year it was McLaren's Daniel Ricciardo taking home P1, and then Lando Norris also McLaren taking home P2. Last year's only uh, P1, P2 podium lockout. So... And it was the McLarens able to snatch a win. Um, Ricardo did win because of <coughs> team orders. I, sorry, you can't say that on the radio. That's like illegal. But anyhow, um, he. I'm gonna say it. Lando was faster. They just didn't want to jeopardize the one two. So good call for them to leave it. Um, it's very, very unlikely they do that again. Uh, yeah, I highly doubt they're gonna let. If if they even get a car into P one or P two, and I imagine that'd be the reverse of what happened last. If it happens again, it'd be they'd give the team orders, as you said, cough cough, to let Lando through because that's how we've seen in the past with drivers going away to certain teams. They kind of shift that favoritism where you can kind of see that at the end of um, Ricardo's uh, tenure with Renault. If you remember that, sometimes the team yes, would give orders to the other drivers ahead. And then I can maybe see it with McLaren too a little bit in Lan- between Lando er, and Carlos at the end of that before Carlos went over to Ferrari. Yes, I certainly remember that number one calling. Always always hurting the number two drivers who were in a position to win. Um, but you can't have equal drivers or else they'll sabotage each other. Which was kind of a little bit of the problem. I mean, Baltas was very good in that Mercedes, but... Not to the level of Lewis, but still, he was a very competitive driver who won races for Mercedes. Hmm. McLaren's not really had that problem in recent years. Uh, Weather, before we get into all the track stuff in the next segment, weather in Monza, it's going to be about 82 degrees to 81 degrees tomorrow, and then qualifying is going to be around the 70s degrees. And as Ben said, track temperature gets about 15 degrees hotter on there, so it'll be about 90 a little bit over 90 degrees, 93 degrees on the track temperature. And then the race for Sunday, looking like we're not going to get any rain, looking about to be the same exact temperature at the same time. A little bit of wind, but nothing too bad. So we're going to get to see just clean racing, hopefully, and no, maybe, fingers crossed, Ben across me does, just no, nothing bad really going to happen in terms of Mother Nature playing an effect in the racing. No, hopefully not. It would take a very, very strong... Uh, act of God to defy the weather that's going on right now. It looks very nice in Monza. Um, haven't gotten a live look in yet, but I am very excited to watch practice this afternoon. We're going to go to break in this next break a little early so we have more time to talk about Monza since we have to wrap it up a little bit earlier today. But when we come back, we're going to give you the full recap or praise preview for Monza. You're listening to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into Smooth Operators, everybody. You're hanging out with Griggs and Ben here again without our other amazing co-host, Noah, who is into other things right now. But we are back now, and it is time for our full Monza recap or preview. I've said that too many times already today. So let's go ahead and do it. Ben, let's just go ahead and start talking about, as you said, the Temple of Speed. Yes, so Right off the bat, we're going to be looking at some times. It appears that, no, Leclerc did set the fastest time in his long runs over, like, five to three lap stints 
that they do in Monza. Leclerc set the fastest time in his long run on the soft tires with a minute and 25 and nine-tenths of a second. Again, that's in the long run on a soft tire, so he's doing multiple hot laps. It's not a single lap charge, but uh, Carlos Sainz leads the single lap charge in Formula pra- or Free Practice, too. Um, Ferrari's looking good, but Red Bull knows they have the upper hand, so they're just going to conserve energy right now. The thing that Ferrari is liking, though, is recently this was announced that Max Verstappen is going to be taking an engine penalty. There, uh, he will be playing catch up again as he is taking an engine penalty from, I believe it was a combustion engine problem. Yes, so he is taking some new components to his internal combustion engine. Um, that will give him a higher top speed, though. And judging anything off the last grid penalty Max Verstappen received for the full engine replacement back at Belgium, not too much of a problem in that regard since he went all the way down from P14 to P1 to secure victory. And under, he went from P14 to P1, folks, in one lap. Or no, sorry, that would be un- that'd be insane. Uh, Twelve laps. I apologies. Yes. So, so he lapped one and a third cars per lap, something like that. Don't run my numbers, please. Uh, the car is very capable, especially at high speed tracks. Um, Red Bull running in low downforce is going to be a threat to all, and especially with that top more top speed that Max has now, and at a, a race that has eighty percent. Uh, th- full throttle throughout the entire lap so it's going to be pretty fast and those straights really favor the Red Bull over the twisty turns corners races of the Ferrari uh, is better at but this l- race will be 53 laps in total 306.72 kilometers two DRS zones with very short amount of corners 11 corners I mean I'm new to Formula 1 but that sounds like a very low amount of corners for a track it's definitely nothing that, like any of the newer tracks that have up to 23, um, it's a lot faster. That long, long straight is going to be promising for some passing, and even going into the Curva Grande down at the end of it, it's going to be very, very exciting racing. It's never, since I've started watching Formula 1, it has never disappointed. Last year's clash with Verstappen and Hamilton at the chicane, where Verstappen had Hamilton wind up on top of him. That was insane. What a race that was. You mean the other way around? Verstappen on top of Hamilton. No. Yes, yes, sorry. Yes, (laughs) Verstappen was on top of Hamilton. The wheel nudged Hamilton's head. My bad, I mixed that up. That was still (laughs) an insane race all the way through, and then right at the end, I was watching that live, and I was yelling, oh, my gosh, what just happened? Because, I mean, a car was on top of the other car. Very exciting racing last season. Um, hopefully no incidents like we had last year where someone almost died. But hopefully we'll still have good, exciting racing going on. Yeah, so Ben, I see this. You have this on the sheet. What are some... What are some of the uh, what are the some of your predictions? Not let's do not do podium yet, but what are some of the things that you expect to happen at Monza? Okay, so my expectations are. Red Bull holds off in qualifying because, well, they're starting five slots down and Perez is going to start 15 slots down. So they're not going to try super hard. They know that they have a winning car. So what they're going to do is they're going to play it easy, uh, play it cool. They're going to allow the other teams to burn out all of their energy. And then 
possibly even snatch a pole position and then start in fifth place for Verstappen. And Perez could start up to 17th and 18th. We'll see. Um, so Red Bull will be down the grid. Uh, that gives George Russell a shot at pole along with Lewis Hamilton. I think George Russell's going to take pole position. I think he's due for another one here. Much less a spot on the front row. He's going to start on the front row. Um, Qualifying is going to be interesting to watch for sure with that. Uh, Race-wise, I think it's going to be pretty much the same grouping. It's going to be Verstappen, um, Russell, and Leclerc. You think it's going to be a repeat of what happened last week? A literal repeat. I could be wrong. I was completely wrong about the last race. So, in all the right ways, it was very exciting to watch. But I think it'll be Verstappen, Russell, Leclerc. If you remember last week, folks, I was a, uh, a Mercedes pit wall blunder away from having a complete correct podium. So that, that was, was insane. very upsetting when I realized that. Even though I like seeing Charles, I like seeing Ferrari still being in the mix. Um, but for me, I think Ferrari needs this one so bad. They really do. The They've not won Monza since 2019, and the ones before that, it's just been it's been a while since they did. I think maybe the mm-hmm. it, the last two Ferrari drivers to win have been Leclerc in 2019, then Alonso way back when. But for me, I think uh, pole boy Mr. Charles Leclerc is going to get pole tomorrow. Just I can't see him. I could see Red Bull maybe taking pole, but then going down so he'd start first. Or I like how they did it when Verstappen got the fastest in uh, what was it? It was Belgium. Yeah, it was Belgium, where he gets fast and starts 14. The, usually, F1 puts out a graphic on social media where it just says pole, and then the driver up there, but no, it was just Verstappen and it just said fastest. And it just said on the bottom what has taken place, why he wasn't pole. But I think it's going to be Leclerc starting first. I think what you said with George Russell is correct there, too. I think he's going to start second. I think it's going to be a strong weekend for Ferrari in my predictions as well. I think it's going to be Charles Leclerc taking this one i think he's gonna be able to have a good enough head start over max verstappen to the point where max is i think gonna finish p2 again this is barring a another ferrari blunder master class ferrari doing ferrari i'm just gonna say it sorry sorry again Without no. ferrari doing ferrari yeah sorry no. sorry no about that but yeah and then i think third i think it's gonna be I want to say science, but part of me says no to that. I don't think Red Bull or Ferrari is going to be capable enough to get two cars into the podium. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Russell. I think it's kind of a mix up of what happened last week, kind of a shuffling okay. of the cards where the third place driver is going to go to one and everyone moves down a spot. So that's what I got. I think uh, Leclerc, Verstappen, and Russell are going to be the podium with Charles Leclerc taking the podium. But Ben, what are some predictions you have for this one? I think a prediction for me is I think that both Haas's are going to get into Q2 this weekend. I think that they need this to happen, I think, especially with Magnussen's under contract for next year. But Mick needs to prove that he's good enough to get to another team's spot based off his driving alone. I think that's going to be a big key for them. So that's one of my predictions I have going into this weekend. Certainly. I would say to watch Alpine. Watch Alpine. Watch Alpine. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to pull something out. Better than they did last weekend, even though they they got out in Q2 and finished in the top seven, so that was excellent for them. I think they have a they have a quick car. They do. Watch Alpine. And this is gonna be the last race we have for a while, so that's gonna be that's gonna be sad. Yeah, wrapping up the uh, double header. The summer break. I mean, 
they call it a summer break. They're out for a month, and then they're off for like another two weeks. Like, yeah, it's disappointing. I really do enjoy having race, race, race. Um, we will have a triple header though after this two week break. We'll have three races back to back to back, which will give us lots of time. Wait, no. Yes. No. No, we go Singapore next, which is fun. China. Singapore, so yeah, Singapore, Japan, and then it's the triple header. I think if my math's correct. No, wait, no. There's another week off after that. Yeah. So it goes Mexico, week off Brazil. Is it really? Oh, well, I stand corrected. But no a lot of, headers. but then two, but then two back to back. So they're all two together, and then a week break. So at least we get two like back to backs at least. But that any other I'm predictions. I'm trying to think in my head what else could possibly happen this weekend. Looking at the drivers' things. Um, I hmm. said Martin could do something crazy. Who knows? I mean, Lance Lance Stroll. We forgot to talk about. Give Lance Stroll his praise yeah. when it happens. Lance Stroll got points last weekend. He finished in tenth. No, ninth. So that's crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again. Um, I'm gonna say this one again. It's a little bit less of a prediction. I think both Alpha Romeos are out in Q1. Mm. I mean, Bottas looks so strong at the beginning of the year. Everyone remember that, right? Or am I, I just going crazy? I was there for it. He was doing great earlier in the year and then all of a sudden just started to collapse a little bit not like the boss house we'd see when he was right granted he was driving mercedes but still to the fact of the point where um all this stuff has happened where he is just guan yu Zhou has not really performed to the standards of alfa romeo i mean he's a rookie driver but this is his last year of his current contract so as a rookie that's a tight spot to be in that is a very i mean yeah you have to perform immediately or else you're not gonna I get another shot. I mean, I don't know if he's going to get another shot. Yeah, it's tough to say. And they did sign him back on. They extended his contract. But how long is that going to last is the real question. Um, we're still talking about driver market. It's insane. We're trying to preview the race and, and get to drivers. And the driver market, yeah. It's so unpredictable. Um, there will be definitely more coverage for that. And you know what? Here's another team that I want you all to watch. I want you all to yeah, I'm going to say it. I want you all to watch Haas. I agree with Griggs. They might pull something out. You never know. I think that it's got to be this one. or ne- I mean, I imagine they're going to be kind of give all they got mm-hmm. going up to the uh, Coda like, in a couple weeks, but I think they need to show that they are able to kind of do this before that so they can just show that we're kind of legit. We're not going to be worried about dropping farther in the grid because we already said they have two teams behind them where they could kind of catch up to them. But mm-hmm. – Armand's predictions again. Ben said the same thing as last week. Verstappen, Russell, Leclerc. I'm a little bit flipped off of that. That's going to be Leclerc, um, Verstappen, and then Russell. Let's just try to predict what Noah would guess. I think Noah, he wants. Is he confident in Ferrari? Is my question. Is he thinking he's it's confident in Ferrari? I don't know. I talked to him earlier this week. He seemed pretty shaken up about last weekend. But you know what? Yeah, I'll I'll predict for Noah. I think Noah would say Leclerc. Verstappen signs. Claire Verstappen signs. But that is going to do it, everybody, for our second episode of Smooth Operators. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. If you missed any of today's action, a lot of talk on the driver market, pre uh, recapping the Dutch Grand Prix, and then previewing Monza. You can catch that on Spotify after the show or whatever you get your podcast. For Noah Phillips, who's not here right now, that's Ben McClurk, and I'm Grace Blankenberg. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This has been Smooth Operators and War Eagle. 
That's all we have today for Smooth Operators, Weagle's exclusive F1 show. In case you missed some of the show or just want to relive all your favorite parts, check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Till next time, this has been the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM.